Lord, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for this moment, Easter Sunday, a day that we get to celebrate you, all that, all that you've done for us. We should do this every day. We should do this every single day that we wake up and we have breath to breathe, to speak your name, to proclaim your glory and your goodness. We should do this every day, but especially today on Easter, as, a, as we remember the death burial, and resurrection of our Lord and King, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. Words can express the gratitude that those of us who believe, those of us who trust in you, who, who know you, the overwhelming gratitude we have towards you. I wish we had words. Be with us in these moments as we open your word. As we, uh, as we talk a little bit about that sacrifice that you made on our behalf. Bless this time together. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. So glad that you're here. What a morning already. Easter Sunday. Is everybody having a great Easter Sunday? Yes. Yeah, did anybody get, did the Easter Bunny visit anybody this morning? Drop off some little eggs or something? Uh, maybe some... Some Reese's peanut butter eggs, because those are the good ones. Those are the best. Hint, hint, if anybody just, like, happens to go to CVS, you know, the after Easter sale. I know we all do it. Grab the Easter eggs and, and bring them. I, I love those. Um, also, like, peeps. I know that's not a popular opinion. Most people don't like peeps uh, because uh, I hear, you know, people say that they taste like pencil erasers. Um, I I, I eat them until I feel nauseous, and then, uh, which is only about three, I guess. Three, three and I'm done. Love Easter. Uh, I don't have long with you this morning, but, but honestly, don't think I, ha- I don't think I need a lot of time for, for what I've come to say here today. I um, just want to uh, welcome all of our, our guests, all of our VIPs. All, we, we consider you VIPs. We think that you are very important, and we, we love to have uh, new people visiting with us here. Uh, at Legacy City, and, and I just want to say it's a little darker than it normally is. Uh, we usually have a little bit more light on, but just for this morning and sort of the aesthetic, we turned all the lights off. So hopefully you found your seat okay and didn't trip over stuff, and uh, I, I guess w- w- we don't know who who would be in trouble for that. The theater, uh, it's probably us. We'd probably be in trouble for that, I think. Um, so don't get hurt. Uh, I don't. So I don't have long. Today is a day of celebration. Christians everywhere, all across the world, are celebrating today the day of Easter, the day of resurrection. We call this Resurrection Sunday because this is uh, the day that we celebrate and recognize and remember and reflect on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Happened some two thousand years ago, uh, all the way across the world. Jesus died on Good Friday. We had an amazing time uh, in, in in the warehouse on Friday night, having a Good Friday. Friday gathering, we, we just uh, sang some hymns and some old songs, and it was just sort of a uh, very different than what we're doing this morning. This morning is loud and upbeat and fun and exciting and celebra- celebration, uh, but, but on Friday night, we kind of just stripped everything away, and it was just an acoustic, raw sort of set, and it was amazing, but we celebrated and recognized uh, the, the death, the crucifixion of Jesus, and then we waited a couple of days, and then Easter Sunday, we get to celebrate uh, how Jesus has risen, all right? He, he died on 
Friday night. He breathed his last breath. He surrendered his soul, Scripture tells us. Uh, This is not a fake death, okay? This isn't fake news. Jesus died. He actually died and descended into darkness, Scripture tells us. And then he rose again three days later in glory. The darkness couldn't hold him. Uh, Death was defeated. Christ was victorious. This is our Savior, and this is what we celebrate. Our God lives. Come on, church. Let's celebrate our God lives this morning. Amen. But what I want to do is I want to make this kind of personal. All right, because this did happen 2,000 years ago. All right. It happened on on another continent completely. Right. And and, and maybe if you're in here and you don't know Jesus and, and you don't know God's word, you know, to you this is just a book. All right. You just take this at face value. It's just a book. It's just words on a page written by some guys long, long ago. So how does all of this relate to me personally? We've been on this journey to the, to the empty tomb, journey to the empty tomb for the past few weeks, and we've walked through the last week of Jesus, and we spent some time walking through the text and seeing some of the last things that Jesus did and said, and, and these things are important. These are, these are some of Jesus' last acts uh, here on earth. Now, of course, he, he resurrects, and he's got 40 more days of ministry, but, but as uh, as a full-on uh, human man, this was his last days on earth. And so the things that he did were very important. We walked through the text, and we said that, you know what, he, he had a triumphant entry uh, into the city, and that was important because that was fulfilling prophecy. Uh, it was very important for him to fulfill the prophecy. Then he cursed the fig tree we talked about, and that was to teach us and the disciples a lesson. All right, that was kind of one of the last lessons he taught. He wanted, to, he, he wanted to use this illustration of a fig tree. We thought that was weird that that was included in the text, that Jesus would get mad at a fig tree because it didn't have the figs he wanted for breakfast. And so he cursed that fig tree, and so he gave a lesson the next day about that fig tree. We talked about the Last Supper, and it was his way of serving his disciples and, and also warning them of what's to come and setting the stage for what's about to go down. And then we talked about the Garden of Gethsemane, and that was to show his submission before the Father. And you you remember he was praying and he was asking God, hey, God, if you could take, Father, if you could take this cup from me, please do it. But then he submitted to the will of the Father and he said, I'll do this. I'll do this. For the joy set before me, I will do this job that you've sent me here to do. Everything has a purpose. I want to read to you just two passages, passages of Scripture this morning. One from before the crucifixion and then one from after because I want us to see these important moments uh, in the text and I want us to realize kind of uh, two, two things. So uh, while we're reading this, I want you to be thinking about two things. Who are you or who were you before Christ? And then, and then who are you after Christ or who could you be? I guess I'm talking to two different people. If you're a believer, then it was who were you before Christ and who are you now after Christ. And if you're not a believer here this morning, I want you to hear this. I want you to I want you to understand who you are right now and who you could be after Jesus. Okay, so we're just going to read through this text and uh and I'll kind of just uh maybe stop a little bit along the way, probably a lot along the way and interject some things. Uh it's not going to be on the screens behind me here this morning. Uh and you probably don't you probably can't read uh, if you actually brought your Bibles cuz it's super dark out there. Uh you're welcome to use your phones. I'm not going to judge. Uh I can't see you anyways. So yeah, I can see, like, these guys, and that's it. Um, Matthew 27, we're going to read uh, for a couple of verses here in Matthew 27, starting in verse 15. Now, the feast, uh, the governor was accustomed to releasing for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. 
All right, so just just to let you uh, so Pilate uh, is the guy in charge here. If you don't know the story, if you're not familiar with what they're talking about, Pilate's the guy in charge here, and he's want, he wants to pacify the crowds. All right, so he wants to just uh, he wants to show that he has mercy and that he loves the people, and so he wants to he wants to pacify the crowds. The crowds are getting stirred up, they're getting riled up, and he wants to just say, "Hey, we're going to release a prisoner. We'll let you guys decide who we're going to release." It reminds me of Gladiators. Anybody see that old movie? Gladiator and and Joaquin Phoenix, he's the uh, uh, he's the emperor and and the, the they're getting they're out there doing their gladiator thing, they're killing each other and there's blood and gore and all this kind of stuff. But uh, but then it comes down to the last two and and and, and Russell Crowe's about to take the kill shot and and Joaquin you know gives him the thumbs up or the thumbs down. Is anybody tracking with me? I don't know. I, I, I that's one of my favorite movies ever. So I, I could just like give you the whole plot right now if you wanted it, but we won't do that because that's not in the word. So anyway, it just reminds me of that. Like Pilate's up there, he's on his chair and he's listening to the crowds and the crowds are riled up and. And he's like, okay, so we got this guy or this guy. Which one is going to live and which one's going to die? Verse 16, and they had then, uh, and they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Now, now this is this is Jesus's trial. So, so Jesus is there, and now we've all we've got this inter interstage left uh, another guy, Barabbas. All right, Barabbas. We don't know much about Barabbas. In fact, he's not recorded speaking uh, in Scripture. His, his voice is never. Uh, heard um, and, and never recorded. Uh, and so it's interesting, though, that he's actually mentioned in all four Gospels. All right, now the Gospels, the Gospels line up in a lot of ways, and they, they tell some different, you know, they tell some stories, and, and a lot of them coincide. But, but really, you've got, you've got the perspective of Jesus' ministry from four different guys, and, and, and as the Holy Spirit's, like, uh, directing them to, to write these words down, they're recording them through their own lenses. And so, so not all things line up exactly. Not all, they're not mentioning all the same details. Uh, but what's interesting is every single one of them, all four Gospels, mention the name Barabbas. And, and that's very rare that a detail like that is mentioned in, in every one of the Gospels. So that makes me wonder, like, why? What's so important about this guy, Barabbas? Mark and John speak a little bit more about his charges. Uh, they say that he's actually uh, in jail. They, that we just know here, based on Matthew, we're reading out of Matthew, he's a notorious prisoner. But, but Mark and John say that he is, uh, uh, he's, he's in jail for robbery, insurrection, and murder. This guy has no hope. All right, this guy has no hope for release. Both under Roman law and under Jewish law, this guy is donezo. Like, he's, he's out of it. He's... That's it. Like he, that's three strikes, and he's done. I mean, really, they just get one strike. But he's got a lot of strikes, so he's absolutely done. This guy Barabbas is is got no hope. Verse seventeen. So when they gathered, Pilate said to them, "Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ?" For he knew uh, that it was out of envy that that they had delivered him up. All right. So he's given the choice. Now he knew that the religious leaders were jealous of of the the fame. And, and sort of the following that Jesus had. And so they, he knew that there was some envy there, uh, but he kind of, he, it will, later on he, he says he washes his hands of it. He wants to stay out of it, basically. Verse, verse 19, besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with this righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Uh, now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to destroy Jesus. They're stirring up the crowd. The crowd's already riled up, but they're in the background just whispering, crucify Jesus, kill Jesus. 
save Barabbas, right? They're just dropping these little nuggets in people's ears, and they're walking around, and they're just getting this thing going. They're just stirring the pot. And the governor again said to them, which of these do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? Because he doesn't want to kill Jesus. He doesn't want to do this. And they all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. You know, I grew up thinking about Easter as this kind of fun, colorful time with a, you know, it's kind of creepy thinking about the Easter bunny being this, like, you know, tall person. I mean, that's scary. That's actually kind of scary. I mean, bunnies aren't, with a red eye, bunnies are kind of creepy in and of themselves, but it's weird that we thought, I thought that was cute, but you, you got this Easter bunny and the, and, the, and the eggs, and you decorate the eggs, and you get it all over your hands, and, and, then, and then you go hide the eggs, and then you forget to find the eggs, so then you smell the eggs like five weeks later, and, um, and we did all this on Easter, chocolate bunnies and the, and the whole, the works, the jelly beans, the peeps, the peeps. I went to a peep store in, uh, in Maryland. It was awesome. It was just peeps as far as the eye could see. It was a paradise. They also had hot tamales. Those are also delicious. I didn't really associate Easter to Jesus until I became a teenager, right? And even then, I thought a lot about the physical pain of Jesus, right? Like, I thought about the cross. I thought about the pain that Jesus endured. And I just focused on that. It wasn't until later that I began to realize and I began to really grasp how how I'm reflected in this crucifixion story, all right? It wasn't until I realized who I was in this story that things really clicked for me. Because church, I am Barabbas. I am Barabbas. I deserve death, right? Church, you have to know who you are before you understand who you can become because we are Barabbas, each and every one of us, our Barabbas in this story. That is our death sentence that Jesus took. That is our punishment that Jesus bore. That is our cross that Jesus carried, and that is our death that Jesus died. We have to know that before we can go forward. That was our crown of thorns. That was the spear that was supposed to be in our side. That was our torture. That was our public humiliation. We're Barabbas. I'm Barabbas. I said last week, when Jesus was praying in the garden, he, he asked God about the cup, right? He said, he said, Father, if you could take this cup from me, please do it. And I said, that was my cup. That cup belongs to me. That was the cup of God's wrath that was going to be poured out on his son. That's supposed to be God's wrath poured out on me. That was the cup of death that was poured out on Jesus. That was supposed to be poured out on me. My death is what it should have been. That's my sin that caused this. Romans, Romans 3.23 says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all on the same playing field here. You have to know who you are. You have to know where you begin. We're all on the same playing field, the same level. We're all sinful people. I don't need to tell you that. You know what you've done. You know the lies you've told. You know the things you've stolen. You know the things you've cheated. You know all of the things that's happened in your life. I, you could list all of those out. I don't have to give those to you, you know deep down, even if you're not a believer, you know that you're a sinner. You know that you're not perfect. So we're all in the same boat here. We're all on the same playing field, and we're all in desperate need of a Savior. 
The rich man needs a savior. The poor man needs a savior. The mom of three needs a savior. Savior. The widow needs a savior. The 20-year-old needs a savior, and the 60-year-old needs a savior. We're all together in this. We're all together. But our sin, it comes at a cost. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans tells us we owe on a bill that we can't pay. All right? So we start with the sin. That's us. We, we're sinners in need of a Savior. But all that sin, it racks up. We can't repay that bill. We can't pay that off. We, we cannot in and of ourselves pay that debt. No amount of good stuff can ever take that sin debt down. You could adopt 100 puppies when you leave out of here today, give them all a home, love them all for the rest of their lives. It's not enough. You could go to the local orphanage and you can, you can take home as many children as DSS will let you. It's not enough. You give your life to serving the underprivileged. You can give all of your money to every nonprofit you can come up with. You can go dig every well in Africa. It's still not enough. That bill cannot be paid by our good works, by our good deeds. That sin bill is, is, is coming due. But God, the only way that that bill can be paid is through Jesus Christ. We are Barabbas. We owe our lives for the crimes and sins we have committed, but God stepped in and he saved us. He substituted himself for Barabbas and he substitutes himself for each one of us in this room. He took our place just like he took Barabbas' place. The scriptures say that, that for while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God, I love that, but God, he demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. That's a lot of text I'm throwing at you. But basically, Jesus died for each one of us in this room, laid his life down, didn't think twice about it, just did it, volunteered. He had some angst, sure, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Who wouldn't what he was about to go through? But it was for the joy set before him. That joy is seeing each one of us reconciled to the Father through his blood, through his sacrifice. We can approach the throne room of God. It's such a beautiful thing. Peter also reminds us that we belong on the cross and, and not Christ because Jesus, he, he died in our place. It says in 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins, our sins on his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds you are healed. I want you to think about for just a second all of the junk that you've done in the last week. It's probably enough. Maybe you're a really, really good person. Let's go month. Every 
snide remark, every hurtful comment, every white lie, every big lie. Whatever it is, pile it all up. Jesus, in his perfect, sinless body, took all of that on himself. He who has never sinned felt the weight of every sin that every man ever has and will commit. But it's by his wounds that we are healed. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, which we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus was there to save Barabbas from death. And Jesus did not just die in the place of Barabbas. He died in the place of all of humanity. So who were we? We are sinners in need of a Savior. We are lost in need to be found. We are in darkness, and we are ready to see the light. It's because of Jesus' work on the cross and in the tomb that we can have salvation. We can have new life. We can be found. We can be in the light. All we have to do is accept that free gift that he extends to us. You see, we are sinners And we are hopeless in and of ourselves, but after the resurrection, we can have hope in the God who saves. I'm running over my time, so here we go. Matthew 28. This is after the the resurrection. That's who we are. Here's who we can be. After the resurrection. Now, uh, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day in the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to go see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But if the angel, uh, but the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come and see the place where he lay. I love, there, there's ver- I love the version of this in all uh, four of the Gospels. There's, there's one where the angel says, why are you looking for Jesus among the dead? He is alive. It's such a beautiful picture. Jesus, he laid down his life for you and me. And as incredible as that is, as amazing as that is, that, that he would lay down his life for us, it was actually the resurrection that really means everything to us. Because our God is alive. Our God defeated death. Through him, we can live. Through him, we get to defeat death. I think what's most interesting about this account is not that the angel scares full-grown, battle-hardened Roman soldiers to death. It's not that, that's kind of funny to me, but that's not the most interesting thing here. Uh, it's not, not even the fact that Jesus is gone from the tomb. I mean, I think that's kind of interesting, you know, that, that he left, and, and he left the, the linen cloths and, and everything. I mean, he's just, he's just gone. That's kind of, that's really cool, but the most interesting thing for me, and I, th- I think it's going to point us to who we can be, is that the stone was moved away. Jesus didn't have to move the stone. The stone didn't have to get rolled away. I mean, he's Jesus, right? Like, he could just go. Like, he could just leave out of the room. The stone could stay closed. He, he could have he went on for weeks. I mean, people could have thought he was in there for weeks. But he, he did have the stone rolled away, and I've always thought that was interesting. I mean, he can get out. I know he's Jesus. A little bit later on, uh, he actually, like, walks through, you know, just locked doors and stuff, and, and he's Jesus. He can do this kind of thing. He has that power, but he chose to move it, and it makes me wonder why. Because in the other accounts, 
in Luke and Mark, the ladies were afraid when they see the stone rolled away. They're terrified, terrified that the grave has been robbed, that somebody has come in, come in and stolen the body of Jesus and, and took uh, this person that they care about and that they love. And, and, and the thing is that Jesus' body has been taken, and, and they just don't realize until the angels explain that, that men didn't rob the grave. God did. Right? God robbed the grave. He took Jesus out of that grave, but he left the door open. He left the stone rolled away. Because just like the cup in the garden, just like that cup is mine, and the death sentence is mine, and the crown of thorns is mine, and the cross is mine, that empty tomb is mine. That empty tomb belongs to me. This is my grave. Jesus is showing us that not only did he defeat death, but he defeated our death. He says, hey, take a look inside. Look, look at me. Look, look, look in here with me. This is where I was supposed to be, but I'm out of here. And if you trust in me, you can be out of here as well. This is your tomb. It's going to stay empty if you choose to put your trust and your hope and your faith in me. With me, you'll have eternal life. With me, you will live forever, and death will have no hold on you. Come on, church. This is the gospel we're talking about here. We believe in a risen Savior. Jesus defeated death. Death could not contain him. Death could not hold him. He is almighty God. Sin and its effects are, are, are gone. They're defeated. Sin no longer has a grip on us. This is our certain hope that just as Jesus was raised and restored, that we will be raised and restored too. I love this. Billy Graham once said, the cross shows the seriousness of our sin, but it also shows us the immeasurable love of God. Jesus came because he loves us. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to set the captives free. He came to break the power of sin in our lives. He came to bear the punishment of our sin. He came to die on the cross in our place. And this is, that's the first Easter Sunday. That's what he did for us. That's why we celebrate today. That's why we recognize it today. Because Jesus was raised from the, be- from the dead so that you and I can be forgiven. So that we could believe. So that we could repent and be born again. So that we could be assured, assured, assurance. Such beautiful, blessed assurance. We can know, we can be assured of eternal life and a place in heaven with God the Father for eternity. All you have to do is reach out and accept it. You see, Jesus overcame the grave, and he's still alive and available for you to personally encounter right here, right now, today, this morning. So then here's the question, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to leave this theater here this morning being Barabbas before Jesus took his spot still condemned to die still wanted for your sins still being held accountable for your crimes or do you want to walk out of here today being Barabbas being set free you know we don't know we don't know anything he said because I think as soon as the crowd said Jesus, let, give us Barabbas and crucify Jesus. I think he ran. He was a free man. He, 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 it's over. To tell us that it is finished. He knows it's done. He's out of there. So do you want to run out of this theater here this morning as Barabbas being set free? 
Let me get you just a kind of close your eyes for a second. This is it's nothing special about closing your eyes. I know you go to church all the time and people say close your eyes. It's really just so you can give the person to your left and, and, and to the left and right of you a little bit of privacy as they are maybe in the middle of making a decision, maybe in the middle of uh, having a conversation with God. What I want to do is just lead us in a, in a very simple prayer. You have to understand that, that salvation comes from a, a heart change, a true belief in the true God. That, that reciting words really doesn't mean much. In fact, if you're having an encounter with God right now and you can't even utter the words that I'm about to say, that's fine. I just want to give you an opportunity. If you've never committed your life to Christ, if you have never said, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, to take away my sins, to wash me clean with his blood. I recognize his, his death, his burial, his resurrection, the sacrifice that he made on my behalf, and I want to give it all to him this morning. And I want to run out of this place being the Barabbas who has been set free. I want to give you an opportunity to do that here in this place, to leave this place knowing, having the assurance you are a follower of Christ and you will spend eternity with him. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray this prayer and I'm going to ask everybody in the room to pray this prayer along with me. And then we're going to sing a song together. And if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, or maybe maybe you prayed it when you were when you were six, but you don't remember and you don't know and you and you can't, you can't, you don't, you don't, you're not sure if you've ever really made a, a, a real decision. Maybe, maybe you were young and you didn't understand and you couldn't wrap your head around the sacrifice and, and the death and burial and resurrection. Maybe, you feel the, maybe your heart's beating out of your chest right now and you feel the Lord saying, it's time. The time is now. I'm going to lead us in this prayer and then if, if that's you, if you've made that commitment for the very first time, I'm going to invite you just to come and, come and meet me over in the hallway as you walk in. We're going to sing a couple more songs. We've got some more stuff we're going to do here this morning. But we want to give God an opportunity right now to break some chains, to bring some people into freedom, to take some lives and renew them, make them new, because that's what God does. So everybody in the building, we're going to pray this prayer together. And as soon as we're done, if you want to be bold, if you're going to be bold enough to say, this morning, I committed my life to Christ. You can grab a friend. You can grab the person next to you. Even if you don't know them, they'll go with you. They'll walk with you. They'll come down. They'll pray with you. They'll hug you. And you know what's great? If you make this decision here this morning, Scripture says that all of heaven, angels will be rejoicing in this moment. You know, I had the opportunity no, I'm, belo- I'm prolonging this. If you're eager and anxious, this may be a little crazy for you, but an opportunity to talk to someone this week. Actually, I didn't talk, talk to them. I, they Facebook messaged me and asked me how to become a Christian. 
And I was able to, to share the gospel through Facebook Messenger. What a day we live in. I was able over the course of about 45 minutes to share the gospel with this young lady. And to the best of my knowledge, I was sitting in the coffee shop at Aromas. To the best of my knowledge, wherever it was that she was, she accepted Christ for the very first time. And she said this. She said, for the past few months, I felt like I was drowning. But right now, I feel like I've taken my very first breath. What a relief. What a blessed assurance that Jesus Christ can give even that quickly. So pray this prayer with me. And then if you're going to be bold enough to say, I made a decision this morning, I want you to come down and meet me in the hallway. God, I believe in you. God, I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, that he came to this earth, lived a perfect life, and died for my sins. This morning, right now, I trust in him, I believe in him, and I surrender my life to him. Forgive me of my sins. Make me clean. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen.